Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted. From Packers.com, I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field to talk about, Wes, another Packers victory. This one, 27-19 over the Kansas City Chiefs. The defending Super Bowl champions come to Lambeau Field, and the Packers are the ones triumphant. Three straight wins for Green Bay, four of the Packers' last five in the win column. And I tell you, if you were going to script the beginning of a game and it wasn't going to, when your defense is facing a challenge like Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs offense, and if that script is not allowed to include, you know, turnovers and, you know, a defensive touchdown like in Detroit on Thanksgiving, having the Packers score two touchdowns on their first two drives, having the Kansas City Chiefs held out of the end zone on their first two drives, and then you're at the two-minute warning heading into halftime, and that Patrick Mahomes has only gotten the ball twice. You can't, other than turnovers, you couldn't draw it up any better. You couldn't, and the fact that by stopping them in the red zone, it allowed you to keep a touchdown off the board. Yeah. And I looked at this game up until really going into the fourth quarter as like just a fast break NBA game where it was offenses moving the ball and defenses trying to make plays. And ultimately, the Green Bay Packers didn't blink. Uh, they didn't blink with Jordan Love under center, his, what, fourth game now of the season with three touchdowns and no interceptions. Um, my headline for Insider Inbox was one of the first things I wrote when I was putting that together for Tuesday was Jordan Love was at his best when his team needed it the most. And to have the players around him pick him up, Romeo Dobbs with one of the sickest catches that I've ever seen. <laughs> Crazy uh, play. Especially given the circumstances. A.J. Dillon running hard. And then defensively, they were able to withstand the early blows from Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. And when they need to make plays in the second half, they did that. Green Bay Packers picked up by far their biggest victory of the season against the Detroit Lions, and it took them just over a week to better that. Yeah. Uh, it, the run that the Packers are on right now is is pretty impressive. When you look at you look at how far this team has come, you know, a, a Monday night loss on the road in Vegas that was extremely frustrating against a, a Raiders team that was not playing well. Then you come off the bye week and you go to Denver and you're playing a Broncos team that granted is playing much better now but was not playing well at the time and the Packers were not able to get that victory either. 
now suddenly from two and five and three and six after a, a frustrating loss in Pittsburgh, one that, as we have talked about, was where some signs were being shown. The Pittsburgh loss had that had a familiar ending, yep. but that entire game was not the same script, was not the same story as some of those other frustrating losses. That's where things started to turn. And now from being two and five and three and six to uh, um, to being six and six. And the, t- to me, this game, when you look at the Packers offense, this game was about the command that Jordan Love had. I mean, in terms of in terms of the checks at the line, whether he was under center in the shotgun. I made a comment uh, in Insider Inbox that to me, when A.J. Dillon's pounding out the yards that he that he is and he's done this throughout his career now late in the season he really is that big powerful cold weather bad weather running back and the Packers are using that right now when a running back is pounding out those kind of yards and then we see Jordan Love running play action he just looks like he's got command of the whole field in the pocket off of that play fake when you know you've got the defense playing you honestly the pass protection is holding up and uh and the way the Packers are able to push the ball downfield right now and then have those checkdowns available when Love needs them, the offense is in a really good place. I don't have a pro football focus membership at the moment. Um, I am not gifted in terms of breaking down the game analytically as you are, but I can tell you what I saw with my eyes on Sunday and two things that stood out to me the most with the offensive side of the ball quickly to touch on AJ Dillon because I wrote about him in our post game key to the game yeah 18 carries 73 yards he averaged 4.1 yards per carry Mike do you know what his longest carry was in this game I'm gonna guess seven yards 10 yards 10 he came in the fourth quarter okay so when you average 4.1 yards per carry and your longest carry is 10 yards what yeah. does that tell you it tells you that you're not going backwards. Yeah, you're grinding it out. You're not being tackled for a loss. You're not putting yourself in second and tens or second and 11 situations. The Green Bay Packers steadily move the football. Early on, seven carries for 30 yards on the opening drive. In the fourth quarter, one of the big reasons why Green Bay executed their four-minute offense and were able to get those extra field goals was because of the way that A.G. Dillon was running the football. Exceptional. But the thing I loved most was how it opened up the play-action game and everything started building off one another. The the end-arounds, the jet motions, yeah. they were almost like the Aaron Jones, so to speak, as far as the contrast to the power running style of A.J. Dillon. Sure. And when you got the play-action game going, you could just see Kansas City's defense, especially one to be as aggressive as they are, befuddled. And probably my favorite image of this season so far and we've started to see it in recent weeks because you can see not from an overconfidence standpoint but you can see Jordan Love feeling himself you can see him enjoying it you can see him having fun out there it's when they've gotten some of these plays off play action where everything is blocked the protection is there and Jordan's kind of hopping a little bit as he's looking (laughs) downfield trying to find something you can see the excitement in the young man at making plays and from the Green Bay Packers perspective 25 completions on 36 attempts his overall passer completion percentage is now over 60 percent on the season that was a big thing we talked about earlier this year 267 three touchdowns 118.6 pass rating michael we're talking right now in terms of the nfl one of the best guys performing at that position what's up i'm john wall and i'm cj toledano and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called point game we're now joined by three-time nba six man of the year 
elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to point game. King of the court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and it, I mean, for for Jordan Love to post a passer rating nearly 40 points higher than Patrick Mahomes, I mean, if you had told me that before the game, that that would have been the disparity in the passer rating between the two quarterbacks and the Packers would have that kind of advantage, you know, my jaw would have hit the floor. Um, and it's not as though Patrick Mahomes played a poor game by any stretch, but you mentioned earlier that the Packers never blinked. And this was a game that as it was going along, you know, the Packers score, the Chiefs answer, you know, Packers score, Chiefs answer with another field goal. But then the Chiefs get the ball. Packers, you know, botched a chance to get a two-score lead going into halftime. There was a there was a false start there, and the passing game kind of broke down. They weren't able to get the field goal attempt to make it 17-6. The Chiefs get the ball coming out of halftime. And they go right down and get their first touchdown of the game. Packers stop the two-point conversion, but so it's 14 to 12. But at that point, it became a game of like, okay, who's going to blink first, right? And you look at you look at the you know the next well, I shouldn't say the next couple of possessions in succession, but two two possessions in the second half as this thing unfolded. One was the Packers faced a fourth and one decided to pass on what would have been a very long field goal attempt, went for it, and that became the uh, the Romeo Dobbs catch that you mentioned where, uh, you know, Jordan Love has the pressure right in his face. Chris Jones is as close to burying him as Chris Jones got all night long, quite frankly. Um, but Love sees that the Kansas City secondary is, is a little bit mixed up and doesn't think anybody's really going to be able to make a play on uh, on Romeo so he throws it up there and Dobbs is able to come down with it between multiple defenders who are converging but couldn't get there which is exactly what Love thought when he let the ball go that they wouldn't get there in time huge fourth and one conversion so that was a moment where maybe the Packers were going to blink the Chiefs are going to get a fourth down stop and take over with just a two-point deficit it would have stayed 14-12 at that time but you convert the fourth and one, and then against the Blitz, you hit Christian Watson for his second touchdown of the game. The other blink moment then became when it's 24 to 19, the Chiefs have the ball. They get a pass interference against the Packers that puts them just across midfield. And then Keyshawn Nixon comes up with an interception. And that was that was the first time either quarterback blinked in this game. Nixon gets the pick with about five minutes to go. Um and you, I'll let you take the story from here because you heard from Nixon in the locker room and wrote about how he had used some pretty extensive film study to get a read on what was going to happen there that led to his interception. Yeah, mannerism study. Uh, <laughs> it's something that I think is probably part of the normal day-to-day curriculum in the National Football League where coaches will go over 
kind of the tells and tips that they're seeing, both on the All-22 film, but as Matt LaFleur talked about on in, on Monday's press conference with the media, you know, you get it on the TV copy too because of how they mic up centers and kind of figuring out what the cadences are and, and those type of things. And in this particular case, it was one of the checks that Patrick Mahomes was making that he had talked with, I should say he being Keyshawn Nixon, had discussed with his coaches and in the cornerbacks room as okay if you if this happens and this is the look that you're getting with two receivers over on the right side this might be what the check is going to be and ultimately how the play is going to play out the one thing i maybe you deduced it a little bit better than i did watching it uh unfold from the kansas city perspective i was trying to figure out if they were trying to run a rub route or if it was just a quick stop and then the guy going underneath it it was kind of a weird sort of yeah it's the, what i looked at it and it is it's it's one of the clips in my what you might have missed i i took a look at uh um you know a key defensive play is the sacks in the red zone the the two-point conversion stop and then the last one being the interception there by nixon and it look it looks like a, essentially it is a rubber out they're trying to set up a, yeah. a natural pick type of situation where uh where sky Moore, the inside receiver is looping underneath um, I believe it's Rasheed Rice yes, who's, who's running just a, a quick stop route from the outside. So he's looping underneath. What Nixon, what Nixon was able to do is he, is he stayed back so that he didn't you know, run into Rice or Rice's defender yep. on the short route. He stayed back. He was able to loop behind. And really then what happened when you look at it closely on the film is when Sky Moore, it kind of looks like a wheel route in it a does. sense. It's not a yes. wheel route out of the backfield, but it's a wheel route from the slot around the other receiver. What Sky Moore realizes is how good a position Nixon is in, and he sort of realizes, I'm not going to win this route, and he starts to slow up. And But Mahomes has already let the ball go because he's counting on his guy to run the route, and by slowing up like he did, he didn't have a chance to sort of defend Nixon from yep. being able to pick the ball off. Nixon had a clean, open catch because because Moore wasn't running full speed on the route because Nixon played it so well. It was like it was sort of like I got you, I beat you, yep. and Moore gave up on the play. So. That's the kind of thing that uh, it, it was a mistake by the Chiefs' offense. The Packers were able to take advantage, cash in, and then uh, and they ran the clock down almost to a minute left to go before kicking the field goal, field goal to go up eight points. It got really dicey in that final series for Kansas City, but after that play, the Chiefs' offense never looked in sync again. Yeah, it, it really didn't. And obviously, they're playing in a two-minute situation and all that, but it just seemed like it was one of those back-breaking type of moments. The stat that I brought up, and we talked about it last week, them being minus six now in turnover differential. They're 4-4 four and four on the season when Patrick Mahomes has an interception. They haven't lost when he doesn't have one. So it shows you just how quickly that can all turn on them if it doesn't work out that way. Yeah. Keyshawn Nixon, I said, it was one of the finest over-the-shoulder interceptions I've ever seen. I'll say this. I don't know if I've ever seen an over-the-shoulder interception within 10 yards of the play. Sometimes it happens if a guy lofts a ball and the, the receiver doesn't run it route or it's right or it's overthrown. Keyshawn Nixon had an over-the-shoulder interception that ended up into sort of a toe-tapper on the sidelines, all within like 10 yards. Yeah, It was kind yeah. of a wild thing. And um, I know a lot of people, the reactions of this thing I've seen, I mean, just people completely awestruck at it. But as, as Nixon said afterwards, he's like, I've had a couple of those chances already this season. We remember one of them, I believe, in Denver, where he was so close to being able to and just couldn't get his feet down. Yeah. He's caught the ball, but it's the other part of the process of the catch. That one he did it, and it was a huge moment for Green Bay. Well, it's one of those things, too, that with Nixon being a return guy, he 
at times he has to catch the ball in different positions and yes. you know yeah. in in other ways than sort of the the traditional way that a defender might intercept a pass so those kinds of skills certainly come in handy um what's up i'm john wall and i'm cj toledano and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called point game we're now joined by three-time nba six man of the year elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah I, yeah because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard he don't care about guarding he's gonna guard he's gonna exactly. guard like you see him in the olympics <laughs> he's gonna guard and then on I'm top of it like that, see that ladies and gentlemen please welcome sam cassell to point game i remember you came out from crying tears <laughs> crying tears. i mean he was in a culture shock and then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning remember what i told you i said i said oh you think i can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This win, as big as it is for the Packers, and we'll talk about where things sit in the playoff picture in a minute, it came at a cost, however, unfortunately, because Christian Watson in the fourth quarter, as he picked up a, uh, a crucial first down to move the chains, keep the clock moving there late in the fourth quarter, he tweaked his hamstring, went down, was helped off the field. We don't know the extent of the injury, where things are at. It is an injury that he has dealt with um, in one form or another throughout his two seasons in the NFL. So that's very unfortunate. Christian Watson was really getting going, not only having the two touchdown catches against the Chiefs, but four of his five touchdowns on the season were in this three-game winning streak that uh, that the Packers are currently on. He was, you know, starting to certainly starting to look like the Christian Watson that uh, you know that took the league by storm over a four or five-game stretch last season as a rookie in November. We'll see how long he's going to be out, and it's it's a big blow to the Packers' offense when you add the fact that Luke Musgrave, your your rookie tight end, who had been just starting to stretch defenses a little bit and get more attention and whatnot, he's also out now. He's a, he's on injured reserve, and and we don't really know if or when he'll be back this season. So, um, offensively, another another hurdle to deal with here um, as. Matt LaFleur and the offensive coaches are going to have to game plan. Presumably, you know, I would think at least this game against the Giants and maybe another one, who knows? We don't know the timeline. But there's going to be some time here that Christian Watson is going to miss, and they're going to have to game plan and set up the offense moving forward without number nine on the field. Yeah, I was bummed out to see how that ended for him because for my money, Michael, I understand he wasn't going to be up for offensive player of the week or offensive rookie of the week like he was like 12 times last season <laughs> but I, I would venture to say that that was one of his best games of his NFL career because he played as a possession receiver and he showed the more well-rounded aspects of his game set career high seven receptions but it was only for 71 yards but so many of those plays none of which were more than 20 yards on an individual catch but so many of those plays contributed to either the Packers sustaining a drive or, as we saw, the two touchdowns, the first one in the second quarter and the second one in the third, and how strongly he attacked the football and just being able to use all of his tools together as one. You had to edit it when I wrote it last month. Christian Watson was going to be just fine. I liked his mentality. I liked his athleticism. I felt like he was going to be able to pull himself back into this thing and finish strong, which he has been doing. Unfortunately, the, inter- the, the, 
the hamstring does pop up. One thing he did clarify, and I want to make sure we make this point, is people had kind of been asking on social media or some of the media had been talking about, well, him trying to stop himself to stay in bounds is where the hamstring injury happened. Watson said no. It happened during the process of it. He just went down not to make anything worse. I mean, obviously he wanted to stay in bounds, but it had already had the issue before that. So you hope for the best. It was good to see him walking around. Obviously he was talking with teammates afterwards. It, you know, it's not like Desmond Bishop situation, which is always the one in the back of my head when a guy goes down like he did. But hamstring injuries also don't heal themselves overnight, and we're yeah. going to have to see what the Packers do here. Yeah, it's going to it's going to take uh, it's going to take another adjustment on offense. But Lafleur and this offensive staff they've been dealing with adjustments all along. You know, you lose David Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones has been in and out of the lineup all season. Now Watson was out before, back in. Now Watson's out. Musgrave is out. You know, it's not anything that they haven't dealt with in the past, and and uh, um, and they'll have to roll with it again. The, uh, the final drive, I want to make one point about that, what I considered an extremely chaotic final drive. I don't, and I don't think it was just because I was live blogging the game and trying to figure out and keep up. No, I was just watching was the game and I didn't understand and, what I was and, saying. And trying to type everything and, and, uh, and stay on top of it. <sighs> there, there are all kinds of analyses out there. I sort of said my piece with regard to the officiating um, in the – Monday insider inbox, you know, the late hit on Mahomes shouldn't have been called. The pass interference on Valentine obviously should have been called. Did the officials manage the clock correctly? Absolutely not. Um, and then you have the Hail Mary, which apparently, and I'm not watching the NBC broadcast, but apparently they were making a big deal out of Travis Kelsey getting shoved in the back by Jonathan Owens on the Hail Mary. And it's like, okay. When's the last time you ever saw a pass interference flag? I mean, come on, folks. Like, I literally, I have seen, I believe in my lifetime, I have seen one pass interference flag thrown on a Hail Mary, and it was literally when a guy got grabbed and dragged to the ground where they had, there was like no choice. If you are jockeying for a position to go try to get the football, it's, a, it's an anything-goes-free-for-all situation. The point I wanted to make about all this is hearing the comments afterward from Patrick Mahomes and from Travis Kelsey with regard to the final drive. Mahomes is asked about the interference on Valentine, the deep ball to MVS that wasn't called, and Patrick Mahomes says, I need to throw a better football. Travis Kelsey's asked about the, the Hail Mary, and he says, I'm not putting this loss on anything but ourselves. That's how champions talk. That's how champions, two Super Bowl championships in the last handful of years, that's how champions deal with defeats like that. They are not point. The, the fans are going to do what they want to do. Those players are not pointing the fingers at the officials for how that thing went down. And I think that's just, it's an important thing to remember. It's an important thing to file away how the Kansas City Chiefs dealt with this loss. I loved it. And I think that, that starts with Andy Reid. I think it goes through that coaching staff. And obviously when you have leaders like Kelsey and Mahomes, it, it's going to be something that permeates through the rest of the locker room. What I like the most about it, and, it, and the, the games are completely different, by the way, but the way that the Chiefs handled this reminded me so much of how the Patriots handled the loss to Green Bay in 2014 here. There's teams that chase the playoffs. You, we're trying to make the playoffs. And there's teams that are trying to build themselves into Super Bowl champions. Right. 
And that's what the Patriots did in 2014. It wasn't a controversial ending like that, but I just remember Bill Belichick talking about what they'd learned from that game and the fact they ended up not losing another game the rest of the season. For the Chiefs' perspective, there's a lot of things that Kansas City has to shore up. We've seen it. it it's been something that's cost them some games. In this particular one, it was chaotic. No matter which way you slice it, Packers, Chiefs, whoever, they, the, the officiating kind of started to alter the way that this what extremely entertaining and exciting football game was playing out. But you have to overcome it. The, the one thing I found most interesting uh, about the discussion about the Hail Mary was just that it, it's like, have you, have you ever watched the play before? And the understanding that, you know, when a, when a Hail Mary goes up, it's not it's the one play where the defense is kind of seen as an a second offense so to speak everyone can attack the football yeah everybody's got a shot at that ball it's not the defense's job to prevent the offense from catching the ball the defense has a chance for it too that's where the jockeying aspect yes. of this comes through yes and i'll just make this point with dean blandino because he came out with the 33rd team and provided some analysis with this again i welcome anything that the nfl wants to put in front of us in terms of how that game was officiated at the end and what they were exactly looking for and whether things are right or wrong I'm guessing we're not going to see it. I'm no. guessing there's just going to be some reports coming out on Saturday about whether or not Jonathan Owens was fined, and that's all we're going to be left to deduce from this. But as Dean Blandino pointed out, there, when you look at the way that everything played out at the end, the officiating call on the, on the Mahomes thing, he was clearly in bounds. That should not have happened. That's where it all started. Right. And then the MVS play, obviously you watch it, you see the contact there. But when think, but Matt LaFleur touched on it in the little bit that he discussed it on his press conference on Monday. It's about how games are officiated and augmenting yourself to that officiation of the game. It's why I took such an issue with Cleet Blakeman's crew in 2020 with those playoffs in the NFC Championship game. Yeah. Game is officiated one way. They change it over in the last two minutes and officiate it a completely other way. Whatever. That, that's where really Brad Allen's crew got into a jam because it was a terrible call on the Mahomes thing, if you happen to look up and see the screen, even though it's not a reviewable play, they left it up there. You can clearly see Jonathan Owens making the contact with Mahomes while he's still in bounds, not even one foot out of bounds. And I think that's what started to alter the way the rest of the game unfolded. Yeah, and I'll say it once again because my face continues to get blue and bluer and bluer <laughs> over the years. If they just make safety rules reviewable a lot of controversy in this league yep. could be avoided because it doesn't take long to look at a play that is a potential safety violation and decide whether or not it really was. And the Mahomes play, the hit on the sideline, would exactly fall into that category. So I think a potential solution, a potential improvement is staring the NFL in the face with regard to the safety rules, whether you're talking about late hits, whether you're talking about roughing the passer, whether you're talking about defenseless hits on defenseless receivers, helmet to helmet contact. Just if, if these calls are going to, these are all 15 yard calls and they cost players money, get them right. And I think, I think if you just put the safety rules in the reviewable category, you can get a lot more of this right. We're wasting five minutes reviewing whether or not Rasheed Rice's knee is down. We're wasting 45 seconds to discuss quarterbacks and, you know, intentional grounding. Yeah. But it's, 
inexplicable to be able to just take a second to see if maybe Patrick Mahomes was still in bounds. Right, and the league and the league is uh, the league is just is forcing fans to accept that plays that get flagged, but then the players don't get fined, and then plays that don't get flagged, and then the players do get fined that you find out about later in the week, and everybody's just supposed to accept that that's how this is supposed to go. To me, it's ludicrous. Well, and, it's, it's ludicrous. And I, again, I'm not going to sit here and point fingers, but if you look at the pool report after the game and Brad Allen's comments to the gentleman from Kansas City that was conducting it, there was really no expansion on why things were ruled. No. It was just that that was the right rule. That was the right rule. And I think that's kind of the effect we've had from the league here for a number of years in terms of don't question it. Yeah, it was correct. Well, I've got to get to some sponsor business here, Wes. So Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl of Cousin Subs, 50 years of better. All right, waited too long to get to this point, but we have to talk about where things are in the NFC. Um, This is the easiest way to explain where things are. Right now, there are four teams in the NFC that are tied at six and six. You have the Packers, the Vikings, the Rams, and the Seahawks. And there are two... As far as those teams at six and six, they are fighting for two wild card spots that are available, the number six and the number seven seeds in the NFC. You also have two teams at five and seven, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New Orleans Saints are both five and seven, one game back of those four teams that are six and six. And the Falcons so, for their division title. Yes, but as of now, the Falcons are the Correct. you know, the division leader in the NFC South. So if you look at it from that wild card perspective, the six and seven seeds that are available, it's essentially six teams, all the those four six and sixes I mentioned, the two five and sevens, it's those six teams fighting for two spots. There are five games left to go. I don't really look at, you know, okay, who has the spot now versus, you know, based on the tiebreakers as they sit right now. I mean, that's valuable only in the sense of, okay, if you don't lose any more games the rest of the season, you you know, this is the spot you're, yep. you know, this is the spot you would you would occupy, right? So, but there are five games left for all these teams. There is a lot of football left to be played and a lot to sort out. But the most important thing, of course, is that the Packers are the team that that has have thrust themselves into this going from three and six to six and six and I think there's no argument that of those six teams fighting for those two spots the Packers are the hottest club right now and it's just up to the Packers to keep this thing going starting next Monday night against the New York Giants. Well, the NFL got what they wanted with the 17th game and the seventh playoff seed because right now we are in week 14, correct? And there is one team in the National Football League eliminated from the playoffs. That's the Carolina Panthers. Everybody else, including the New England Patriots, are actually still technically alive for the wild card. Yeah, mathematically, there's a, there's a pass. So what does this tell you? When you have two teams here at 6-6 six and six and two other teams at 6-6 six and six that are on the outskirts, look, the outside looking in and the inside looking out, just win football games. And I think that was basically the biggest message that Matt LaFleur had, especially once the tides started to turn a little bit. They got to three and six, then they're at four and six, and so on and so forth. Don't worry about who the opponent is. Worry about what the outcome is going to be. 
And the Packers have to keep that same mentality because you're going to look, and we'll, we'll discuss it later this week, but you know the Giants are humbling some teams right now. People forget Giants went into the bye week with back-to-back wins. They didn't beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They didn't beat the Detroit Lions, but right. they got back-to-back wins. So you have to respect the opponent and the threats that are presented. But for the Green Bay Packers to be able to dig themselves out of that hole and put themselves back in a situation where it can even be a funny little tweet or a nice little thing that's going to get some engagement about how, oh, they're technically the seventh seed right now if the season would end. That is a testament to Matt LaFleur. It's a testament to that locker room. And now that they've tasted some of that success, especially with a young football team, understanding that you can look past no opponent, and now that the schedule gets to be a little bit more favorable, the dark woods are behind you here. You no longer have to be fearful of the big bad wolf. (laughs) You, You still have to be cognizant that there are dangers out there, and the Green Bay Packers have to be able able to take care of business or you can get humbled very fast yeah absolutely and we'll uh we'll talk about more about where the how the playoff picture looks who all these other teams are playing this week because with the Packers on Monday night out in New Jersey it's going to be a Sunday of scoreboard watching and all of that for uh for Packers fans so we'll we'll break that down as well as the upcoming opponent the Giants on our next program I'm not letting you sign off yet okay San Francisco Philly just give me your thoughts on that really fast because we're not going to ever talk about it again. Yeah, that's true. Um, I got caught up in everything else. No, today. no, we had a lot to discuss, but I do want your thoughts on that game. Um, Sanford, I mean, I, I don't always like the phrase statement game because it statement gets a bit game. overused, but that was a statement That was game. a statement. I mean, I, I, save it, I save that overused phrase for certain moments. The San Francisco 49ers sent a message to... In Philly. To, yeah, exactly. It was on the road in Philadelphia. They sent a message to the rest of the league um, I had, you know, I had mentioned it last week that this that little three game losing streak. I shouldn't say little three games is a lot, but that three game losing streak the Niners went through is absolutely ancient history right now. That team, that team is on a roll. They are looking, I would argue, even better than at any point they may have looked last year before they lost their quarterback initially. When you know when Purdy then had to had to jump into things. Um, it's interesting. the The Eagles are still the, you know, still have the best record. They're the only team with two losses, but uh, um, but boy, you know, with the Niners having that tiebreaker on the Eagles now, all they have to do is tie them uh, at the 17 game mark, and uh, and the Niners are going to get that first round by. 18 carries, 46 yards for Philly. Jalen Hurts was the leading rusher with 20 yards in that game. I mean, they completely neutralized that offense. And then the quick thing I want to do, and this will be your opening now to sign off, is Brock Purdy, 19 of 27, 314, four touchdowns. Uh, having Debo Samuel helps too. But when teams not only – people always want to talk about, do the, do, is he the guy? Is he the guy? It doesn't matter if people say he's the guy. It matters does that locker room think he's the guy. Yeah. And Brock Purdy is the guy. And I think we're learning week after week after week, Jordan Love is the guy in this locker room. The doubters can say whatever they want, but this team is following Jordan Love. And when you have a young rookie quarterback, a young first-year starting quarterback, just like Brock Purdy did last year, when you have that self-belief, you can conquer anything. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, um, 
we'll talk more about uh, what lies ahead for the Eagles on our next show as well because uh, because that's really going to get interesting yep. there in the NFC East. But we do have to sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow, continue to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We will see you next time. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.